In this episode of Balancing the Christian Life, we talk to my cousin, Craig Embry, about how his congregation uses the tools of digital discipleship. Welcome to Balancing the Christian Life. We'll talk about how to be better Christians and people in the digital age. Let's go. Welcome to the program. So how has your congregation been using the internet during coronavirus? Your church may or may not be doing a lot of things differently. One of the passions behind starting my podcast was to look at this idea of digital discipleship. I've said in the past, many people are nervous about using the internet to help spread Christianity. And I've said early on, I think these are tools which can be used well in the cause of Christ. My cousin Craig Embry is someone who knows this firsthand. He works with a church in the Sarasota area, which has recently adopted these tools in a big way. I have known Craig his entire life. He is kind and gets things done. When I hear the rural Kentucky drawl in his voice, it reminds me of home. Another word I think of immediately is impressive. Craig has helped his church go from very little use of digital tools to some truly innovative ideas in both what to use and how to measure what's working. I know few churches that are using these tools as effectively. Craig, welcome to the program, man. Uh, thank you, Kenny. Appreciate you having me on today. You work with a congregation. What do you do there? And what's happened within the last 10 months, Craig? You know, a few years ago, the congregation where I'm at here in Sarasota, they're a congregation that uh, in season will run about 275 members. They've had some issues in the past uh, with youth ministry and uh, they kind of wanted to get away from that. Mm -hmm. uh, the congregation had been fractured because of that. And they had actually had several interviews, but we had worship here before when we lived in Inglewood, Florida. We'd relocated back to Kentucky and uh, they were just looking and I was not looking, <laughs> but an elder called and said, we need your personality down here. I said, I don't have any skills and my grammar is not good. <laughs> and they said, yeah, but your people skills. I am focusing on young families and fathers. We're focusing to try to make fathers stronger and to make our families stronger. Certainly trying to outreach to the community and just improve that within our own congregation. Take me back 10 months. I don't know if this happened at your congregation. My congregation started noticing something called COVID. And we started having a lot of things that we had to deal with suddenly. Did that happen at your congregation as well? Oh, Kenny, listen. Number one, at some point in time, I hope to never have to hear that C word ever again. <laughs> you know, uh, COVID has fractured our country. Mm. So the church is certainly not exempt from what COVID and politics have done to the rest of the country 10 months ago. COVID shut us down. In my mind, the young families are gone for now. What do I do? I begin to pivot. Luckily, there was kind of a gap, which we have now turned digital discipleship. So I've kind of worked my way into that gap and actually trying to work my way out of it in a sense by hiring someone just for that. You say that you all have gone to digital discipleship. What are some of the things that you guys are doing? Kenny, well, of course, early on, late March, like most everybody, we shut down. We were facing something that we've never 
heard of, never thought of, never considered. And it was beyond us to, to shut down. It was such an odd feeling. Uh, we already had the capabilities to live stream and we were live streaming our mm-hmm. morning services on YouTube, but it, it wasn't good quality. It there was no thought process in it. It was there. Mm-hmm. And we sometimes averaged four to eight viewers, mm-hmm. six day time period. Yeah. Our numbers just weren't there either. The minister I work with, who's been here 22 years, Terry Chapman, he said to me, Craig, we need to put something out there. I said, I, I agree with you. We began to record our services with an iPad. He and I had just done the entire process and just sent it out there. There was no editing. We just recorded it and uploaded it. Mm-hmm. And it, if you go back and look at it, it wasn't pretty, but our numbers, <laughs> our numbers began to be around 300 views. Oh, wow. He and I both talked and he said, we've got something here. I said, well, yes, we do. So we began to put out daily devotionals and, oh man, they were rough. They were used with the same <laughs> iPad. Uh, you know, there's backgrounds where you can see traffic. Sometimes you couldn't hardly hear what we were saying. So the content was great, but the, the quality was, was very poor. Is that important, though? Do you think it's important to have good quality? In the beginning, I don't think quality necessarily mattered because we were all experiencing something we had never experienced. Mm-hmm. So just to have something to continue to keep that close family atmosphere, even digitally, was something everyone in the congregation needed that we, we were not aware of. Mm-hmm. But as time went on, uh, numbers, again, don't lie. When we began to have numbers back in the building, our numbers were still quite high with devotionals and online content. So that's when we began to make another shift. What was that shift? That shift was this. A young uh, father that works here, and we happen to be uh, pretty good friends now, he's, he loves podcasts. matter of fact, <laughs> he, he now listens to your podcast. His name is Justin, and he said to me one day, Craig, you know, the numbers that you're doing is good, and the effort you're putting forth is great. I know it takes effort, and, and there's things that we can improve on, and, and in fact, we are improving each time we record. He's like, but... If you were to create some kind of production schedule, he said, on the podcast that I love, if I know there's a new one coming out every other Thursday, I'm waiting for it. Mm -hmm. I'm waiting for that content. Yeah. And you should do that. That is the first thing we did is we created a production schedule for a five-day work week, and that's what we stuck with. The numbers tripled, in fact, within that month. So... He was right. What kind of feedback are you getting? And what do you guys call success? Everybody in this congregation, as well as other congregations, has their own thought of success. I'm a person of immediate gratification. I've learned some things here that this process doesn't always garner immediate gratification. But I tell you what we have done here at this congregation. We have have made better quality. Mm Mm-hmm. We've converted one of our classrooms that hadn't been used. We converted it into a studio. We're shooting on a green screen. I've purchased better video equipment, learned to edit. We've stuck to a schedule. 
And that has really worked well. We've taken suggestions from our congregation. Some of them are unsolicited, but <laughs> nonetheless, for viewership, it's great. Some of our devotionals, we were getting back down into the 60s, maintaining in the mid to high 60s on our viewership. But we have some in the 300s now. And why that may not seem like a lot of views for a congregation that averaged that at their peak in attendance, mm-hmm. well, that's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're doing something and people all over the country are watching it when it's content they want to see. And now we're having other congregations around us. How are you doing that? Mm-hmm. What can we do? So others that have never live streamed are realizing the importance of that and are, are trying to learn that process. So it sounds like y'all are doing a lot of live streaming, and I'm guessing that you're probably doing that on YouTube and maybe Facebook. Is that correct? Well, we are live streaming and all of our devotionals are recorded. You know, Kenny, our viewership, I actually looked at numbers earlier this week. In a six-day period, we're averaging about 260 views, and we're averaging about 150 in attendance. So, you know, I realize some of those may be multiple views, or there may be multiple people in the room viewing. Mm -hmm. But if you look at the numbers, it's worth the effort. It sounds like you all are having some success, just based on numbers. What kind of feedback have you gotten? You said you've gotten some feedback. What kind of feedback have you gotten from your members? The first thing I faced and other churches will face, maybe even from their leadership, one of your podcasts covered some of this, and I, and I sent it directly to our leadership, is if we live stream our services, that may keep people from coming to the building. Well, a couple of things is we've never faced a pandemic. Everyone feels a certain way about it. They mm-hmm. have a certain risk. It's hard for us to make that call. I was told one time back in the 70s when radio was already very popular, but churches, some churches decided they were going to put out Bible study and worship type services over the radio. Yeah. And there was a tremendous pushback. The pushback was, well, that will keep people from coming in our church building. (laughs) And, you know, in fact, maybe there was a low percentage, but that percentage already was looking for a way out. What it ended up doing was introducing people to the gospel. Yeah. Not only did local radio stations begin to transmit Bible messages, ham radio setups were established and pushed to all over the world. And, of course, now the Internet has done that, and churches have found themselves not embracing that. I think one of the things that's happened is we keep on thinking that people are coming for the content, but really what happens is people are coming for the relationships. Oh, absolutely. And those relationships are not easily fostered in an online environment. I think one of the things that's the most important for any congregation to do is to show how much they care for their members. And an easy way to show that you care Give them things that they can consume that helps make them stronger. You're right. Kenny, uh, our grandmother consumed the Bible by picking that book up and reading it Mm -hmm. and maybe picking up some tracks along the way. Uh, But, you know, our youth and our young people and, you know, savvy adults, they're consuming the Bible differently by looking at their computer screens or pulling up YouTube on their TV and, We've got to embrace that consumption any way that we can get people to consume the Bible and maintain that relationship with each other. Yeah. We have to embrace it. 
it's easy for us to recreate a sermon online. But what we can't do is we can't easily recreate that conversation in the parking lot. And it's really those conversations that we have after services that make us a community. Do you look forward to a time when people can come back into the building? Kenny, some people really, really look forward to that. And especially when we opened back up, you know, there were tears shed. Mm-hmm. And some of the tears that were shed is because we didn't know whether to hug or to shake or to fist yeah. bump or to stay 20 feet away. We didn't know what was comfortable for each other. Yeah. And we're learning that. Certainly the online content in no way, form, or fashion replaces that. As I began to work on this, I noticed even our, our say, for example, our Facebook. Nobody here had ever touched our Facebook or taken ownership of it. Yeah. And I realized, boy, somebody could take that over. Yeah. So I made sure to do that. I cleaned it up. I pushed our live stream out to that every time we have a live stream. I updated our hours, put good pictures on there. We done that with all of our social media. I cleaned up our YouTube. And we're also developing a website that will be live here soon. Mm-hmm. I think the church is afraid of this word, marketing. Uh, the scripture <laughs> told us to adorn the doctrine. Yeah, I'm going to use the word marketing. Not only should we market our local congregation, we're marketing the gospel. And we're doing that with online content, our social media, mm-hmm. YouTube, and even our websites. All of that is designed to not only teach the gospel, but to funnel people to our building. Yeah. You know, we want them in our building. We want them to be part of our family and then part of a larger family. Marketing is not a bad word. We don't usually think in those terms. And I think it's prime time for us to start thinking about how can we better serve our audiences? Oh, absolutely. You mentioned that you're using Facebook, that you are working on a website, and that you're using YouTube. What are the platforms that you guys are using? And what do you kind of consider the most important platforms? YouTube, personally for me, it works so well. I mean, you can view it on any device, Mm -hmm. virtually any smart TV. I know there are many congregations that are using Facebook Live. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not discouraging that. I am encouraging any platform you can use, Mm -hmm. use it. But YouTube is much more versatile in what you can can do with it. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, it's worked well for us. Uh, It's easy to teach. It's easy to use. Uh, It's just easy to push that content out there or re- or pull it back if you need to do something with it. What do you think the importance of the website is? Kenny, well, I had a young family. They said, Craig, you can get stuff done. And I thought, where are they headed with this? <laughs> they said, our website looks like it was something from the 70s. And I said, the internet really wasn't big in the 70s. <laughs> they said, well, you know what we mean. It was not good. So it's taken a couple years to make an investment in that. And nowadays, when people travel, when, when I was growing up, my parents had would borrow a book from the church library. They yeah. would look up what churches we were going to attend and plan on that when we vacation. Nowadays, people Google it, and, and then they'll click and go to their website. You and I both are here in Florida, which many people love to move to. Mm-hmm and vacation, 
especially in these areas, the website is so important to show people what you're doing. And as you mentioned, the target audience, your website should have a target audience. Mm-hmm. Our website hadn't been updated in many, many years. It was so important. We have, I think it was 2.4 million people vac- come here to vacation oh my. each year. So if we just had half a percent of those click on our website, we've certainly had a success. One of the things that I think is really important with the website, it's the property that you own. Facebook, YouTube, Google, they're all mm-hmm. basically dictated by an algorithm. You're right. But you have complete control on what goes on your website. You're right. And I had somebody tell me, and I think he's exactly right, which is really the front step of your church building is the website. For many people, it's their first introduction to you, to your congregation, to your building, to what your message is. Unfortunately, many churches are not seeing that, or they may not even have a website. They're afraid of it. Uh, We decided to use a local company. We want to make sure we can change this easily. If we can't do it, they can do it with just a simple email. And that was the fear before. Nobody wanted to touch it. They were scared. Listen, it's a marketing tool. You've kind of made reference to this, that these things aren't free. Do you mind talking about any of the numbers for these things? Oh, listen, absolutely. You have to be realistic. Our elders, they're open-minded. They sometimes are a little bit behind the curb. But with the pandemic, now they've even said to me, let's always stay ahead of the curve from now on. Mm -hmm. Everybody's going to be different. For us, Kenny, we budget about $10,000 a year for audiovisual for website content, and now for this digital discipleship. And that's more usually more than enough. But now we have made a major investment here locally in our audiovisual this year mm-hmm. in equipment. We're pushing the twenty-five to $30,000 range this year. Now, listen, churches do not have to spend that much right. to get into this. I mean, realistically – you can take four or five hundred dollars and start as it progresses, just plan on investing more. For some reason, we've gotten comfortable with sending money all over the world mm-hmm. to teach the gospel, but we're scared to death to spend it locally. And many times people say, Well, we don't get any response. Well, y- you know, you've got to keep trying, you've got to try other things, you've got to try other avenues to make that work because. There are souls right out your front door that you've got to reach somehow. And I think due to the pandemic, door knocking might be no longer an option. People are looking at online content. If they're searching for the gospel, they're online. How have you decided to redesign the website? What is it going to look like? What are you going to feature? I tell you what, this uh, local company, I mean, they were right on it. We built a storyboard right up front. We branded our church. (laughs) <laughs> and, you know, some people's going to hear that and think, you did you did what? Yeah. You're a brand. You, in your community, people know your congregation for something. Yes. And hopefully it's some positive things. But for here, we're, we actually wanted to move back to Sarasota because it was such a family atmosphere in this congregation. Mm-hmm. 
So that is how our website is geared towards the close knit family feeling that we have in this congregation. So every congregation will have to sit down and build their brand and develop their website to show people who you are and what to expect. One of the things I think is really important is feature the people that you can. It's mm-hmm. it's nice to show the building and they need to re- they need to recognize the building so that they know what they're they're in the right place. But as much right. as you can show the people that go there. You're right. We were having an online meeting with this company not not too long ago. I mean, we're at the end of the developing stages and and I love cameras. <laughs> and we have several members that love cameras. So yeah. we had tons of pictures. Uh-huh. And as we're looking at it, as we're looking at the content, the developer, I I could tell he had something on his mind and I said, Hey, what's up? He said, listen, you know, you've made an investment here. We're trying to do something for you. You got an endpoint here. Why don't you spend a few hundred dollars and hire a professional? So Kenny, when churches are doing these things, get a professional. You know, and the church is full of volunteers. I, I have volunteered basically for the last 10 months yeah. putting up content. But as I have mentioned, we're trying to create a position for somebody that knows what they're doing. Do it better. Attract people to the gospel. Professional photographer might seem crazy, but if you're doing it, try to do it right. You and I both know a lot of people volunteer for different things at a church building, maybe to paint or to build or, and, and usually it gets done, but it's not always right. So <laughs> it never hurts to consult a professional. The beauty of many congregations is they have professionals as members. And if they're willing to volunteer that time, that makes sense. Absolutely. I've, I've often said in my classes, if it takes you more than a day to do, you're probably the wrong person for the job. Right. A professional knows how to do things well, and they know how to do things quickly. You're right. I am happy to pay somebody. So, for example, like my podcast, I didn't design the the logo. I didn't do the music. I happily pay people who are smarter than I am and more talented than I am to do that for me. Right. Well, even when you have volunteers at church, even when it comes to some of these things, There's been suggestions, you know, it takes a lot of time and effort. Yeah. It takes time to do these things. Even if it's just as simple as managing the website, that's wonderful. Sometimes we must consider people's time. They might not tell you, but as church leaders and servants, we have to take that into consideration. And maybe sometimes we have the budget offer to pay for their time. Well, and I think that you're harping on something else, which is, There's often this person who has a vested interest in getting something started and they have a passion for it. And then they're going out of town or they're tired and they, they just are dealing with a lot of criticism or they're just get excited at the beginning and burn out about halfway through. Right. Right. And you know, this is something, you know, my mother, when I, when I would get involved in things growing up, She'd say, if you start this, you're going to finish it. (laughs) And we don't want church ministries to be that way. And we have plenty of manpower and volunteers here. Yeah. But at some point you have to realize, you know, we need to have a professional do this, or we need to, we, we need for this member to have a vested interest in this. And 
maybe we need to pay them. I mean, there's just lots of, depending on the situation, a congregation can spend a lot of time and effort on this. Yeah. I, you know, one of the main reasons why I hired somebody else to do my music was I wanted the ability to say, no, I don't like this. Right. And so I, I think that's that's valuable. Yeah. You when can't you have a really, volunteer. It's hard to say that's that. That's exactly it? right. You're right, right. Mm-hmm. A volunteer feel feels like they have a vested interest in mm-hmm. versus somebody who's doing this professionally, and they don't take it personally. Oh, Kenny, absolutely. And the, this is why we've had the same website for twelve years. Yeah, with the content the same for twelve years. Right. We did not want to hurt somebody's feelings. Yeah, and, and you know, I I get that. You don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Whether we want to say this or not, church is like family, and sometimes we're more sensitive when family says something. Yes. There's a lot of risk in that, especially in this digital discipleship model. I I can tell you right now, when we have an audio-visual hiccup, Mm -hmm. those fellows that are working that, boy, they're the first to hear about it. They don't hear about it once. They hear about it 15 times before they've had a chance to do anything. <laughs> so, and you know, and sometimes their feeling, they, they, their feelings get hurt. Yeah. They're setting, they're working with that stuff away from their families. Yeah. And there's sensitivity there. And the church and its leadership needs to always try to be in tune with that. I talked to somebody the other day and he said the other thing is, it's usually the same people that are appearing on the screen all the time, or they're the ones oh, that's that are very behind, true. Mm-hmm. behind the microphone. And those people are the ones who usually get the positive feedback. That's right. And you really need to start passing along the positive feedback to the people who are actually making this work. Oh, boy. The positive feedback here has been overwhelming. I think had it not been for the pandemic, maybe not so much. But people understand what what we've gone through to push this out. Mm -hmm. And you're right. Usually the person delivering the message is always getting the pat on the back. Yeah. You know, there's always a lot of people working in the background. And the same goes with any church, any church, no matter what size, size congregation. Yeah. There's a lot of wheels turning in the background and not all of them always get taken care of. And as a member in the congregation, people's always asking me, what, what can I do to help? Yeah. Well, you know what? Let's go around and think so-and-so for this and. And you're right. I mean, it's just, just one of those things, Kenny. Whether it's our live stream or devotionals or whatever we're offering, you have to follow the numbers. Every week, I would look at YouTube and see what content was good and what wasn't. Well, you know, we were doing five days a week in devotionals. Mm-hmm. And I sat down and realized, for us, Tuesdays and Thursdays was by far our peak days, far outnumbered. Mm-hmm. No matter what I put on Tuesday, Tuesdays and Thursdays, our viewership was up. Mm-hmm. So we began to focus a little more on Tuesdays and Thursdays, mm-hmm. and we pivoted it away from the other days eventually. Mm-hmm. There's something you have to pay attention to. You know, the next thing you said earlier was people are looking, say, at your website for what to expect. Well, Terry, the minister here, I said, hey, Terry, you know, there's a, a great book out called What to Expect When You're Expecting. It's for pregnant mothers. <laughs> yeah, and I said, yeah. it's very popular. Yes. He's like, oh, I know what you're talking about. I said, every new parent has a copy of that, it seems like. 
I said, why don't we produce something for church? I said, people that's never been to church or anything, I can understand how intimidating that is. Yes. I, I, I can only imagine walking into a church building, not knowing the building, not knowing the people, not knowing what to expect. Well, I wouldn't go. Yeah. So that was one of the things we did. We, we broke down the service, you know, basically into, you know, what to expect when you walk in the door, why we sing the way we sing, why we do the Lord's Supper. It just was very basic. Mm-hmm. And that we're using that on our website. We use that on our Facebook information. It's on our YouTube. It's with all of our content. So that people can take a look, see who we are. Yeah. This is what you're going to see when you come in. We take that for granted. Yeah. It's intimidating. Now, we have had success, Kenny. We've had one young man. And here's who you're trying to reach. If you don't know who your audience is, it's this guy. During the pandemic, he had some time on his hands. Very smart kid. He's headed to medical school. Yeah. He was kind of searching for the gospel. The way he was raised was not very biblical based, and he was searching for the truth. And upon his search, he began to discover what the church was, mm-hmm. what it looked like, and just through a simple Facebook search, found us. He attended. He had about four Bible studies. He was baptized, and his whole family is tagging along with him the last couple months. So it does, and it can work. Don't mm-hmm. never give up, never give up. You guys are reading feedback. And I think one of the things that has been difficult for churches for a long time is to how do you gauge what a good message is? And I think you're really smart about this. What are people watching? And the beauty of that is start looking at the, the videos that have zero views. What we sometimes don't do at church is we don't ask for feedback. Right. And what you're doing when you're putting out your message on social media or you're asking for feedback. Yeah. We've asked our members specifically, give us some feedback. And then we have to define our audience. Well, some videos are for this age group Mm -hmm. and they like the message delivered a certain way with a certain time length. And so this mes- this group, one of the things somebody said to me is, I began to have devotionals and sat down and interview people. We we had conversations with Craig about different topics. Yeah, so that's mo- a great idea. About, well, we've done mostly families. Uh-huh. And I had one lady here from church sit down and talk to me early on in the pandemic, uh-huh. and that viewership was through the roof. And I sat down and thought, what has happened here? What the group we missed out on was the ladies. Mm-hmm. So immediately in the production schedule, we done on Tuesdays for, in this particular instance, we done a ladies Bible study. Several different ladies came in and recorded a Bible study with me, and the viewership was through the roof. Yeah, and I had missed out on that audience. And then, our listen, our kids, our ki- my kids, your kid, every kid is staring at a screen. And if you think they're going to watch a 30-minute devotional, an eight-minute devotional, you've got to kind of question that. And I get it. I was that age once, too. Our children are consuming different things today in spurts of 
30, 60, 90 seconds. Yeah. So you have to reach that particular audience and that particular time length. And not only that, we are starting to use what youth will work with us here and film different things with them. Let yeah. them edit. They know this. <laughs> One of my sons taught me early on. I'm like, son, I just can't figure out how to do this thumbnail stuff on here. And he, a few clicks and well, dad, that's all it is. And I'm like, what? well, that was easy. <laughs> so if I don't have a good thumbnail, he notices. And you know what? I don't care. I'm glad he's looking at it. I'm glad he's clicking on it. If I wouldn't have asked him, he wouldn't have bothered. Yeah, you're exactly so right. So yeah. we have to engage our youth. And if you're struggling with youth and young people at your church, well, put them to work in digital discipleship. They know how to do that. They are digital natives. I think one of the other things, I'm a college professor. One of the things that we have thought for a long time the attention span of your audience has gone way down, except you look at the Joe Rogan experience. That is yes. a three hour podcast, right? It is the most listened to podcast in the world. I know it. I know. Look, it's not that our attention span has gotten any shorter. It depends on what you're talking about. And that's the beauty of these tools right. is that you can start getting feedback. And not only are they listening, when are they tuning out? Well, oh, that's right. That's right. If churches are using YouTube, that is certainly a tool that you'll see is, you know what? We were losing a lot of people at three minutes and 18 seconds. <laughs> and we were having 12, 15-minute devotionals. Uh -huh. And so we sat down and I said, you know, we're getting three minutes, 18 seconds. We, we need to do something. Yeah. So we, we cut it back to five minutes or less and our views begin to double. And so you have to understand your audience and understand what they're willing to accept and how, how long they are willing to stick around. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's important. If you're not paying attention to that, you're, you're going to lose them. You're, you're just going to, the, the digital discipleship audience can be fickle. If you don't know if it's going to work or not, try it anyway. Yeah. And if it, it didn't cost you any more to try it and your audience will absolutely tell you, is this going to work or not? That's right. And Kenny, here's one more great thing about digital discipleship. Unlike back in the day when we were pushing the message out through radio or maybe through tr Bible tracks and our front foyers. Yeah. A lot of people, the Bible tracks disappeared. They would end up in their trash. They would, mm -hmm. you know, or maybe you'd want to go back and reference something. Yeah. And you couldn't find it. When you push online content out there, as long as you are organized mm -hmm. and there's a centralized effort, your content is always there. Yeah. Always there. I mean, I, I can tell people today, hey, uh, you know, I'm going to send you a link to this, this video. You're, you're going to love it. Oh, you're thinking about visiting. Let, let me send you a, a link and kind of give you an ideal. And right. it's always there. It's always there yeah. for better or for worse. Yeah. Well, and again, I think one of the things that's nice about a website is, and now you can organize it exactly the way you want to present it. That's right. So, I mean, I think that that is so smart. I feel certain this takes a small army to get something off the ground there. About how many people are involved in what you're doing? Kenny, boy. I have personally, in the last 10 months, witnessed many congregations trying to do this. 
in all different forms, fashion, different styles of equipment, different formats. And, and my, my thing is, like you said, great. Just do it. Mm-hmm. Back home, I noticed uh, they're doing they're doing a lot of Facebook because they're using a phone. That's the equipment they have at yeah, their hand. Yeah. That's that's the only way they have their internet. They do not have internet at the church building. So that YouTube is not necessarily an option for them unless they record it mm-hmm. and upload it. But it's working. And they have one or two of their youth and middle-aged men that are doing that. And they're loving it. It it's working for them, right? And they're not necessarily worried about their numbers. But those that can't make it, or should they get shut down, they've already established that. Yeah. For us, it can be quite an army sometimes, depending on your content. Your people don't want to see the same face every time, right? And I tell you, the hardest part was to get people to come and record a message. Some of our elders immediately seen, wow, this is a powerful tool. Yeah. So they're a little more willing to come spread the message. Uh, the ladies, yeah, we had one or two that enjoyed it, but they're they're difficult. <laughs> and they they want to see what you're going to put on the internet before you put it. Yeah. And that's fine. You have to understand, you know, they're a little more particular about it maybe than we are. And they know what uh, the ladies want to see and yeah. to hear. And that's great. We have people dedicated in this building to our audiovisual needs. Uh, we have slideshow presentations with announcements, different things. It does take manpower to do these things. Now, you can have one person, but hopefully it just grows yeah. and it grows and it grows. And don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. There's Just make a phone call. Make a phone call. Yeah. We had a local congregation that they were trying – to upload content and they, they couldn't hear. And we had a preacher's meeting last week and I, and I showed some of the things they were using. So they spent $60, got a wireless lapel system, and now their content's great. They can hear it. Yeah. And that's right now what they need. And it's working for their shut-ins. Right. And they hate that they've waited this long to invest so little. Yeah, I understand. Let me ask you again, though, about how many people are working on, on what you guys are doing. I'd say a total of four of us are pushing pretty hard. Okay. That's a lot of work there, my friend. It is. It is. And it's, uh, <laughs> it all somehow goes through my desk and it is a lot of responsibility and, and, uh, I've made mistakes along the way, Kenny, of course. And as, as many of us will, uh, but you learn and you pivot and you change. And, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we're, we're in a good spot here in this congregation. The elders realize it's worth the investment yeah, and it's worth having somebody that can take it to the next level. I'm, I'm as far as Craig Ambry can get. I'm, <laughs> I'm where I'm going to be without any more education. And I was hired to do a particular job and we're transitioning back to that. So we're trying to hand this off to somebody that can market this and can mm-hmm. produce this and push this on to what it, it should and can be. Yeah. Yeah, I understand. I understand. That's a lot of responsibility. COVID is done. We're, we're, we're all well again. Nobody's having to worry about the virus. What is your church still doing with these tools? Well, if you want my hopes and wishes, I'm uh, 
I'm hoping we get more and more professional with it. And, you know, we had a funeral service here last week and a family member come up to me and they were from Michigan. She said, you know, my entire family has viewed your content the last several months during COVID. So I'm hoping when COVID is gone, we have more members that want to be involved in this, especially our youth. And, target those audiences more specifically mm-hmm. you know the youth my kids for some reason they'll get on and they'll watch other kids play games yeah and one thing my sons and i did early on was i would sit down and play games with my kids ps4 games in their case mm-hmm. my son ethan loves uh, basketball so we'd play a game of basketball and i'd film that and mic us up and we would talk about in this case, we talked about baptism. Yeah. As, as we played the game, and boy, it was hard. We had to do several <laughs> takes. Yeah. But you know, he could not wait to share that content with everybody from church, all of his classmates. So I'm hoping when the pandemic is over, we'll engage more people. They'll be willing to share that more readily with everybody else, and it will grow. It it will just grow, and I'm hoping our more churches. It'll be like a different infection. They will catch on, and the gospel will just spread. People need it right now yeah. more than ever in, in my generation. Yeah. Are you doing anything with email? Kenny, we're just actually working on that. i tell you, uh, we had internet service here in this building. we got to have a pretty good-sized building. It's older. Mm-hmm. But uh, early on, I upgraded our internet speed, put in access points. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now with our website being developed, we have a device that we will share our internet with anybody that's within the vicinity of the building uh-huh. or it comes in the building. If you just give us your email, you'll have access to that. Uh-huh. Like a lot of restaurants do. Yeah. And uh, we will direct market to those emails, whether you're a member or a visitor or somebody working on work in the parking lot. We just want your email, you know, and, and if we can get just reach one person, yeah, one person, yeah, it was worth anything we invested in that. And Kenny, not my dad down in Litchfield, Kentucky, made a suggestion, and we're we're considering this as well. We do the mass calling here. We have a software that will call people if we have an announcement, and but we're starting to consider using texting. Mm-hmm. So we'll have that method in texting, but people, members, visitors, or people that visit our website will also be able to text our number. You don't have to change your number. All right. They'll be able to text our number for information, or if they have Bible questions, they can text that number, and it will go to me or the other minister, and we'll be able to reach back out to them. So a lot of people are texting today, Mm -hmm. and it's so these digital tools are so useful. And one thing I didn't mention, Kenny, Mm -hmm. right before the pandemic hit, a member came to me and said, you know, it'd be nice if uh, we could do some kind of digital offering here. And I said, yeah, I'm not for sure that a fly. That's a pretty big change. (laughs) Well, I did present that in an elders meeting as they, you know, asked me if I had any thoughts or comments. And they were not totally against it. They, it just wasn't something that was going to be done right then. Yeah. Uh, but I presented it. I worked up everything and handed out sheets. Uh, 
what it would do. You know, our generation, many of us, my wife never has cash, never has a check. We have to right. plan ahead. And I tell you what, within three weeks, we were closed for the pandemic. And guess what happened on day two? <laughs> we had digital offering. Yeah. So our offering is up about 15% or so this last year, even with the pandemic. And many people use that. And it has been a very good tool. And I personally recommend congregations to look into that, especially if you're trying to attract younger members. They they love that. They love that. Instead of writing a check, they can just use the app. And it's it's so handy. Craig, what did I miss? A lot of congregations are struggling. Some may not survive the pandemic. For us, we're so very fortunate. But we are still down. You know, on Wednesday nights, we're down almost 50%. On, on Sunday mornings, we're down about 20 to 25%. A lot of our young family and our youth are still having fears or hesitations for one reason or another. Or if they were weak, we've basically lost some of them. Yeah. When we think about on the other side of this pandemic, not just in our digital discipleship, but as a congregation, listen, it's okay to admit we're fractured. Yeah. Even those that are, attend here regularly, mm-hmm. we don't always agree. We are not requiring masks in our services. But however, we originally we set up social distancing in separate areas for those that wanted to separate. And, and we had a room wired for those that wanted to wear a mask and be on a separate heating and cooling system. We provided for all the different types of groups or thoughts or feelings. But listen, there's, there's not agreement on that. And, and it's difficult times. We have to be considerate of every member mm-hmm. and, and their thoughts and feelings on things. And the church, even though we may be a close family, I don't always agree with my family. <laughs> and, and sometimes we've been upset with each other. Yeah. Right now, the church is not exempt from that. Yeah. Right now is a tough time for our nation and the Lord's church. And we must do everything we can to fix that and love our brethren the best that we can. I could not have said that better myself. I end all of my podcasts. Be good and do good. What's good? Kenny, I love everything mechanical. I love cars and motorcycles (laughs) and planes. And if it has an engine or anything, I love it. And I have purchased or looked at cars that say it was 15, 20, 30 years old, and they weren't in perfect condition you know what many times I would say as as I thought about this, I said, man, that is really good. It was the best it could be. Somebody one time said to me, Craig, you ought to write a book. I'm not like some of your other guests. You, my <laughs> grammar and spelling, nobody would read it. But they said, what, what would you write about, Craig, if you wrote a book? And my answer was pretty simple. I said, you know, it wouldn't be about Craig. I have met some very good people along the way, good family, good friends. They're not without their flaws, but they're good. And you know, some people don't want to hear what you have to say about the Bible, but just by seeing that you are good and doing the best you can with what you have to work with, maybe they too will be good and be the best they can. Yeah. All righty, Craig, if somebody wanted to get in, hold, get in touch with you, how would they do that? 
Kenny, it's going to be Craig at stcoc at comcast.net. Or you can find me on Facebook under Craig.embry. Mm-hmm. Or certainly here soon, you'll be able to look up South Trail Church of Christ. All righty. Craig, thanks so much for doing this, man. Kenny, I appreciate it. And I appreciate you thanking me. But honestly, uh, you know, in some ways, here's why digital discipleship is important. In some ways, your podcast has changed my life and it could change somebody else's. So there's no reason to stop. There's only reason to keep at it. Craig is impressive. He's not afraid to try new things, abandon ideas that don't work, learn from mistakes and try something else. Craig, I'm grateful for your courage, but as your cousin, I'm not a bit surprised. You do good work. I want to once again thank people who are supporting the podcast, including Kevin Hansen, George Sanchez, my mother, and Barbara McElwain. Thank you. It means a lot. Also, if you've learned something you think is worthwhile, please do me a favor and share the show with people you think will profit from it. I'd truly appreciate it. Next week, I'll be talking to one of my old students, Ryan Cummings, who just started his own podcast. Ryan is a good guy, and I'm so proud of what he's doing. I can't wait for you to meet him. So until next week, let's be good and do good.